Bible's there, you might like to uh, turn it or pull out your phone, look up version or what app you use and turn to 1 Peter. We're continuing our series on Be Hopeful and we'll be looking at 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 1 to 7, that's where we're up to. Well, it was a great night last night, a vision dinner. I think we had about 80, 80 people there, 82 and counting two babies. Uh, and uh, it was a great evening. And uh, just to uh, encourage you, um, 2,760 per week was promised and in one-off um, towards uh, outreach initiatives next year, 11,205 was promised, which is absolutely fantastic. And we praise God for that. And uh, that's the figure that helps us to budget uh, more accurately, and um, and if you weren't there last night and you'd like to be part of the ministry here and uh, help us in that process, then you can grab one of these. They're on the back table or there's some out here, and uh, you just, at the top, you uh, put down the figures you're going to give as well as the bottom, tear it off, top one's your copy, and the bottom one is the church's copy, and just give it to Gerard down here, uh, our treasurer uh, with the glasses here. All this getting together is... Uh, stressing him out but uh, he'll survive so uh, if he's grumpy we, no he won't be grumpy do you just give it to him and uh, that can add it to the numbers and then we can uh, uh, have that for the partners meeting in two weeks time so that would be helpful if you're able to do that want to be part of that uh, before we look at um, be hopeful I want to uh, invite all the year 12s who graduated finished year 12 they don't know about this to come up all right, so come on up, all the year 12s who are here. Some may be working and not here, but come on up, those who are here, and we will just, uh, come on, year 12s who've just finished, just graduated, so here you are. There were more than that, weren't they? But they're, not, they're probably working, are they? Pauline, 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 come on. Yeah, she was here. She's hiding down the back. Thank you. Year 12, going to ask the loaders if they would come up as our fantastic youth leaders we're going to ask Stanley to pray and um, and thank you Michelle uh, Lindsay's not here from our board as well so uh, we want to uh, say well done finished schooling now the rest of life begins some would say now out into the real world but we want to uh, encourage you and to uh, keep your eyes on Jesus uh, there'll be plenty who will want to turn you away or say it's a whole lot of rubbish what you believe. But uh, let's, we want to give you a verse from Scripture. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own insight. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your path or direct your path. May you hold on to that verse no matter where he leads you in the future. Thank you. Let's pray for them. If you'd like to stretch out your hands towards them, let's ask God's blessing upon them and God's guidance for the future. Let's pray. Thank you, Stanley. Father and... Father in heaven, we thank you that you are a trustworthy God, that you are always faithful. Father, we recognize that you are the one true living God who reigns supreme over everything and everyone. And so we thank you especially for uh, being with these guys up the front, for Pauline and um, Liam and Lucy, and also we think of Phoebe and Mark. We thank you for the many abilities you've given them, for the health and the strength I've enjoyed to be able to complete grade 12. We thank you for their achievements. And Father, as this chapter in their life ends, um, we know a new chapter opens. And so we commit um, their present circumstances to you, the decisions they have to make and their futures as well. And Father, we pray that they might 
know your presence with them. We pray that they might have a growing desire to love you, to treasure you, to love your word and to trust you, to obey you. Father, may you bless them. May the light of your face shine on them. May you be gracious and merciful to them. May you give them wisdom with their decisions and their growing independence that you might help them to honour you with what they decide, honour you in their, in their uh, lives, that, Father, they might live lives in a manner worthy of the gospel. We thank you for Jesus and that he came, that he died on the cross, that he rose to give us new life, and we thank you for their faith in Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. We pray that by his Spirit he might help them day by day to live for Jesus and to honour him, that no matter what happens in this world, despite all the achievements that this uh, world recognises, Father, we pray that that might pale in light of the importance of living for you, for trusting you and obeying you. So we commit them to you, pray that your arms may be with them and help them. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give them a hand. Thank you. Well done. Thank you, Stanley. And uh, just to acknowledge, uh, Rebecca's not here, but she got ducks, I think. Did I hear that correctly? She got ducks, so well done, Rebecca. And she wasn't able to be with us today either. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Talking about the nitty-gritty of everyday life. And uh, we want to uh, read this uh, section in just a moment. We're talking about the implication of a loving submission to Christ and how it impacts us as citizens in the world, as workers in the marketplace, and also as wives and husbands. And that's what we're going to look at today. And uh, the Apostle Peter is encouraging the people of God as they're facing increasing opposition and persecution in their life in the early church. They're encourage, Peter's encouraging in, in them to share their faith, not only in words, but through their life. Not only to share the gospel and the truth of the gospel through their words, to explain the gospel, to answer people's questions, but also to show the gospel, to make it attractive uh, through their lives. It's not an either-or, it's a both-and. And, and uh, to just pick up where we've been before, and uh, William Barclay says, it is by the loveliness of our daily life and conduct that we must commend Christianity to those who still do not believe. And uh, Peter's continuing this, and as we come into this section, his focus actually is uh, on how do we do that when we are married and one of us becomes a follower of Jesus? How do we uh, share the gospel with our husband or wife who's not a follower of Jesus? And uh, what, what, what do we do in that situation when they're anti uh, our commitment to follow Jesus? So we're going to listen to 1 Peter chapter 3 and Phil's going to read that to us, please. Thank you, Phil. Yeah, just push it up. Okay. My wife and I will uh, try and make eye contact while reading this. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, let's read this. <laughs> Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. And when they see the purity and reverence of your, of your lives... Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, 
such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewellery or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give away to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Amen. Amen. Thank you. That's the word of the living God. And uh, we're going to look at that this morning. Let's talk to Father. Let's pray. Father, we recognize that you are here in our very presence. There is nowhere we can go to the highest mountain, to the lowest depths, that you are not there. We cannot hide from you. And so we have come together as your people to acknowledge that you are here. And you are here and that to bless us. For your heart is good and your desire is great. That we would know you and enjoy you and live with you forever. For that is our greatest fulfillment and our supreme joy. So Lord, open our eyes and our hearts to hear and to understand your word, we pray and to obey it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is probably the passage nobody wants to preach on. Uh, This is probably some of the most abused passages of Scripture. We have used it to beat up our wives, and uh, we have used it over the years for all sorts of despicable things, and for that we should say sorry. And so we want to look at this Scripture and say, what is it actually saying? And uh, unfortunately, I'll probably have to say a lot about what it's not saying um, because uh, of how we've used it. And so it is uh, not saying that women are subject to men. Just want you to let you know that. That's not what it's saying. It's not saying that women are inferior to men. That is what it's not saying. And it's not saying that husbands should boss their women around. That's what it's not saying. And it's not saying if you're a woman, you should be placid and quiet and your particular personality should be like that and you shouldn't have a, an out there personality. That's not what it's saying. So what is it saying? Wives, not women. Wives. In the same way as Christ to the Father, as we've just read in the previous passage, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Be faithful to your own husbands. This is not to other men, to your own husbands. So that if any of them do not believe the word, it's talking about, you see, there's all these new Christians and believers, and many of them are women in the early church as well as men, and some of their husbands haven't become believers. So how are they going to witness? So the focus that Peter is on here is how do we live the Christian life in a hostile world 
whether it's in the workplace or whether it's in the community under an emperor that's anti-Christian, in the workplace that my boss, if I'm a slave, is maybe anti-Jesus as well. And now in the home, how do I live for Jesus? So that's the focus. The focus is evangelism. The focus is mission. How do I live in mission? And how do I live as a follower of Jesus? How do I witness in my home when my partner, when my husband is not a believer? And if you want to make it worse, just understand the home back in the first century here. Under Roman law, a woman had absolutely no rights at all. Under Roman law, they were simply like a child under the authority of the father and I don't know Latin, but patria potestos or something was the term, that you were under the complete control and authority of the Father, and he actually had under law the right of life and death over his child, and that right then passed to the husband. And so in ancient times, the concept that a woman would make her own decisions about life was just not there. So it was very different, and it's in that setting that makes this incredible what Peter's about to say. So you need to realize that as a wife, this puts incredible tension because in the ancient world, for a woman to actually individually choose to follow Jesus was something incredible because normally you would only do what your husband would do and if he was a follower of Jesus that would be fine I would just follow him but to make a decision independently of him like this to become a follower of Jesus caused incredible tensions in the home and in that culture I had no rights and I was not even just about a person and yet they had come to know Jesus and they had come to realize they had great security in Jesus they were Wash with incredible, unconditional love of God. And they were somebody significant because God held them in highest worth and he had given his very life for them. And they were equal with the man because in heaven there is no male or female, slave or free, Jew or Gentile. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And this just transformed how they thought about themselves. Now you bring that into a marriage under that culture and all hell could break loose because how dare you treat me like that because I'm a daughter of the king and I have equal rights and there is no male off. But what does Peter say if you want to win him for Jesus? If any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words. That is, he's using sort of a play on words here. They have rejected the word of the living God, the word of the gospel. And God is going to use your life without words, without nagging, to win them to Jesus. So that's the concept. It's a missionary concept. How do I live as a believer in a relationship where my husband is an unbeliever, an anti the word that's been preached to him, but he's rejected it. He doesn't want anything to do with the word. What do I do? Keep preaching the word to him that he's rejected, that he said no to? Keep badgering him about it? No, what Peter's saying is by the behavior of their wives, you'll win them without a word. You'll help them come to submission to the word of the gospel 
without a word out of your mouth, but by your very life. And so what's he say? If you want to get a principle here is to come to realize that marriage is ministry. Marriage is ministry. And if you want to change the marriage situation, this is what Peter's challenging here. If I realize that I'm already loved in Christ, I have great security. And if I realize I already had significance in Christ, then I don't come into my marriage to get, but I come into marriage just like in life to serve because the picture is Jesus and we'll come to that and how he was submissive to his father and he came to seek and to save the lost and he came to serve, not to be served, but to give his life a ransom for many and now that Jesus lives in me And as he transforms me, that's the incredible transforming attitude I need to come into life. When I relate to the government and when I relate to my boss and when I relate to my partner who in this context are anti-Jesus. How am I to live? Without words by the behavior of lives. When they see your purity, your reverence, your beauty, your gentle and quiet spirit. When they see your purity, your reverence, your beauty, that gentle and quiet spirit which is of great worth to God. Let me just back up a bit and look at this word submission, this humility, this attitude of Jesus, that willingly placing yourself under legitimate authority. We need to see it in the context of the Godhead. Because that's where it begins. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Is the Son less than the Father? No, the Son is totally and absolutely God. Is the Spirit less than the Son? No, the Spirit is absolutely God. Is the Father? No, there is only one God, fully God. And the Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God. There is absolute equality. And yet it speaks of the Son in the purposes of the Godhead as they looked to minister and save this lost creation of theirs who'd rebelled against them. The Father's desire was to send the Son to be the Savior of the world and the Son willingly, not because he had to, not because he was bossed to, not because he was charged to, but because he willingly in that love relationship of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, in their unified decision that that was their desire to do that for you and me. The Son said, not my will, but yours be done. And in submission to the Father's will, in which he was involved with, with all eternity past, in that oneness, he placed himself under because there was there is a, an order of leadership in that, not of bossship, but of leadership. And the son submitted to the father's will and came to serve. And that's why you and I can come into that relationship. And he wants us to be like him, full of humility. And so the changes, the transformation is the incredible change that God does in our life that we can be like Jesus And we can place ourselves under legitimate authority. That's what humility is all about. That's self-sacrifice. 
and is opposite to what the world is pushing us to choose is that's my rights, my rights, my rights. But Jesus, out of, out of love, places himself under the Father to fulfill the Father's will. And humility comes. And he speaks of himself as meek and lowly in heart. Not that he was weak, but the powerful strength of the creator himself because it was through the word, through Christ, that all creation came into being. That's incredible power. Think of the power of one little atom. Think of the atomic bomb and who created that. Not the bomb, but the power within that atom to do that. The Lord Jesus and meekness is power under control. So here is not saying women are weak or inferior, but he's challenging us to live as Jesus, power under control, a meek and quiet spirit. Because that's what Jesus is like. And so let's come back to the verse. Wives, in the same way, like Christ, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Be faithful to them. Not talking about women being subject to men in general. No, this is talking about the marriage relationship. If any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. And isn't that our desire? And this is his focus. We're on mission to seek and to save the lost, just like our Lord Jesus. And we'll have that impact when they see the purity and the reverence and the beauty of our lives. And so what's the challenge to us as wives? To be submissive, to fit in. Voluntary selflessness. Voluntary selflessness. This is not saying to men, you can boss your women around. We'll get to you guys. Sorry, we'll get to us guys in just a minute. This is challenging us as wives to have the attitude of Christ in our marriage. And submission is not being bossed to do that. Submission is a willing humility to fit in with the leadership that God has called the man to be responsible for. And God, fellas, God holds you accountable for what happens in your family. Don't blame the woman. And we'll see the examples set by Sarah when God calls Abraham to leave his family. And she says, where are we going? And he says, I don't know. What are we going to do? I don't know. Why are we going? Because God's called us. And she fits in with him as his wife in hope that God will fulfill his promise as we follow his promise. Be pure. Be faithful. That goodness. Be reverent. Show respect. Show respect. And this is in the context, Peter's saying, when my husband doesn't respect your faith. His challenge was, if your boss is good or bad, it doesn't change how I should respond. If the government's good or bad, it doesn't change how I should live as a Christian. If your husband is good or bad, or even anti, I need to show respect. Which comes out of a ser serene trust in God rather than living in fear, that he goes on to say. And then be beautiful. Be beautiful. And if you read about, and I, I won't take the time to read the stories of, you see, because the women in Roman times, 
if you couldn't do much else, you, you spent all your time in beautifying yourself because that's how you could sort of have control. And they talk about how they used to do these head coverings and mount them upon mountains of wigs and stuff and fill with gold jewellery. And that's the, the background here, what they used to do to uh, be impressive and get attention. And uh, Peter's saying to them, let the beauty not be... And some have used this, that you shouldn't wear jewellery or makeup. And all. That's not what he's saying. He's saying what the focus should be on, the beauty that will win your husband to Jesus, is not all the outward stuff, but the inward stuff, the beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit like Jesus. He said he was gentle and lowly in heart. This is not talking about personalities. I'm not like her. She has such a gentle personality. I'm sort of out there. It's not talking about that. It's talking about qualities of Jesus. That quiet confidence that no matter the circumstances here, my significance and my security is ultimately really not in my husband, even though in this context I'm totally dependent on him, but is in God who is over my husband. <laughs> and so I have a quiet and gentle spirit and I show respect to my husband, all in the principle that I'm in Christ and serve Christ and that's how he wants me to live in this situation, whether he's good or bad. The principle he applies in work, in the government and in the home. And the purpose is for mission for this is the way the holy women of the past put their hope in God notice this is how the holy women in the past put their hope in God used to adorn themselves and then they submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him Lord this is not saying he's using Sarah as an illustration this is not saying and you won't find Janine calling me Lord <laughs> but that's not what it's saying but some guys have used that I'm the boss around here and you've got to call me master. No, because he goes on to say why he's using Sarah as an illustration. You are her daughters if you do what is right and he's just told you what is right and do not give way to fear because in that context there would be a lot of situation for fear because I have no rights. What am I going to do? I really got him got to get him to do what I want and I got to manipulate him and I and I got to do all this stuff to you know no that gentle and quiet spirit because my security and my significance is not in my husband it's in Christ it's in God and my hope is in God and my trust is in God and who I am comes from him and my relationship with him and therefore with his transformation, I can come into this circumstance and live like Jesus. And when they see Jesus in me, without me having to nag them to come to church, without me having to nag them to tell them that they're sinners and going to hell, without me having to tell them that, they will see Jesus, that gentle and quiet spirit, that reverent respect for them because of what Jesus has done in me and that willing, voluntary self like Jesus who was willing to serve even sinners.
Do you see the impact that then had on marriage? Wow, it was not what was expected. This came out of left field. And why are you doing like, why are you living like that? Why, why are you treating me like that? Well, maybe I've done nothing to cause you to respect me. And I've treated you not in a way that would cause you to honour me or even fit in with my plans because I wasn't really considering you. Because you see, we're each responsible for our response and we've got to respond not to the person above us. We respond to Jesus in the workplace, in the government. We're responding to Jesus because we live under his authority. Because he has just told us that God is the shepherd and the guardian of your souls. In his love, he cares for us. In his power, he protects us. In his wisdom, he guides us and directs us in the right way. And we saw that in the last chapter summarized here by William Barclay. And therefore, with that sort of trust and security in my life, I can be like Jesus in my marriage and see it as ministry. And then he talks to the Christian husbands in the church. And some would say this is actually saying, how do I win my wives who are not followers of Jesus? How do I live in such a way that they can come become heirs with me in this gracious gift of life? What's he saying to the husbands, Christian husbands? In the same way, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. You see, there's nothing here telling the husbands that they should boss. It's saying be understanding, be considerate, be chivalrous. What's that word? That's it. And realize you are equal spiritually in the sight of God. And if you don't, your prayers will be hindered. There is nothing that has destroyed the Christian faith that guys that come to church and worship Jesus and then go home and yell and scream at their wives and beat up their kids and do stuff even worse. And unfortunately, it happens in the church. And Peter would say to us, it shouldn't and it mustn't if truly the Spirit of Christ has transformed you. How should you treat your wives? Husbands, be considerate. Be understanding. The concept is with knowledge. Know what your wife's feelings are. Understand her. Be sensitive to the feelings of your wife. Be shrivelous. That's, what's that word again? Thank you. I can't get that out. <laughs> Treat them with courtesy. In the ancient world, where Peter's writing to, that was not how you treat your woman. They were there to serve you. And the culture I was brought up in, in Papua New Guinea, before the gospel came, that was like the first century. My father tells a story how he was with a group of Huli men and a, a woman came by and all the men stood and he was pretty impressed. And he said, look, in my culture, that's 
chivalrous, that's word, all right? And out of courtesy, when a woman comes into the room, we stand. We've lost that now. We're going back to the first century in many ways. The men would stand. <laughs> and the holy man just laughed at him, looked at him, he said, oh, no, that's not why we stand. We would never have a woman stand over us or be higher than us or more important to us. And as you walk along a road and a woman's coming the other way, a woman would put, got, get off the road and walk in the ditch to be lower than the man. So that's the sort of culture that I grew up in. That's the sort of culture back here. There was no equality at all. You were just there and the man had the power of life and death and so the women did all the work and carried all the loads and they stood off into the ditch. And they didn't even live together. The woman would live about 50 metres away and her house... Her little shack was divided in two and she would have all the children look after them and the other half were the pigs. So the man would live in his own little place here and the woman would look after the pigs and live with the pigs over here because they were his belongings over there. You've got no idea what the gospel has done in our Western culture when it comes to women. We're going to look a little bit of that in Jesus the Game Changer next year. Unfortunately, in our culture, we're pushing rights and we're going back to the first century in many ways. But where did this come in our culture, this idea of chivalrous? Did I get it? Ah, chivalrous. And my wife would like to remind me afterwards that when she first met me, I was a little bit better at it. And maybe that's a challenge to us guys. Do you know that men used to walk on the outside of the curb of the road when you're walking down a footpath, young fellas. Why? Because as the horse and carriages came past and there were potholes and water and muck would fly up, you would take the hit and protect your precious one. So you'd always walk on the outside of the curb and you would open the door and let them in first. You would take your coat off and put it on the mud so they could walk across. Where did that sort of thing come from? It actually came from Jesus. We worked it out in our culture how to show that. But to be chivalrous, treat with courtesy, respect and honour. This has got nothing to do with being boss man and you do what I say. The word submission was not given to the husband to tell his wife. That was the attitude I should have like Jesus. And as the husband who was responsible to God... And in submission to him, how am I to treat my wife? Well, Peter says, if you want to win them to Jesus, and if they're already Christians, you should do this as well. But if you want them to be sharers in this life together with you, then you need to be understanding and considerate. You need to treat with courtesy and respect and honor. And you need to recognize that in Christ, you have equal spiritual rights. And if you don't, fellas, maybe that's why God's not hearing your prayer. Don't claim you're in fellowship with God if you're treating your wife like dirt. And you're wondering why he's not answering your prayers here. Just go home and say, dear, how am I going? And then hold on. <laughs> no, no. Hopefully she'll say it nice. Please, Janine, just be nice. Yeah, you know. But sometimes we forget the stuff and it's good to be reminded and it's all here in the Bible. We have used it to our own advantage to push our own barrow. 
But we need to come and say, what are you saying, Lord Jesus, to us? Maybe your prayers are being unanswered and you've wondered why and you thought it had nothing to do with how you were treating your wife. And God's here today by his spirit through his word to say, you need to stop that behavior and change that attitude and treat her like I treat her, with understanding and consideration, with courtesy and respect and honor and realize that in my eyes, she's indwelt by the same Holy Spirit as you are and I've given us the same eternal privileges as you have and one day there'll be no difference between male and female in the eternal life and our new bodies and if you don't, that's why your prayers are not being answered or perhaps in the context it's actually saying if you're praying for your wife to be saved and experiences eternal life with you, maybe that's not happening because you're not treating them. You're treating them like the culture is telling you to treat them. You're bossing them around and treating them like dirt as if they belong to you, as if they are just your pigs. But you need to treat them like Jesus would treat them. And God may hear your prayer. And as she sees how you treat her, she wants to know about this Jesus that has transformed you to do that because none of the other guys I know are treating, me, treating their wives like that. And the only difference is you're saying you're a follower of Jesus. I want to come to know this Jesus that has transformed you. So this is the challenge and the inspiration we come back to. It is by the loveliness of our daily life and conduct that we must commend Christianity to those who still do not believe. This is the nitty-gritty of everyday life. God help us all. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is not a set of rules that we follow but a transformation of life that by your spirit you live in us and Lord Jesus we would confess as wives and as husbands we have not always lived in our marriages and seen our marriages as part of our ministry we have so often pushed our rights and what we want and what the other must do for us rather than Father seeking to be like Jesus so we ask for your forgiveness and we ask for the strength of your Holy Spirit to be Jesus in the home without demanding or expecting the other to respond in a certain way we will obey you anyhow we will follow you anyhow we will please you anyhow because that's what we're accountable for not their response not their behaviour so we ask for your help to do this and may you do a miracle. We ask it in Jesus' name.
and for his sake. Amen. We're going to worship God with our tithes and offerings. If you didn't come prepared for that, don't feel embarrassed. Simply put that Connect card in the offering containers that comes past. Don't forget, if you want to be part of the commitment giving for next year, grab one of these off the table straight after the service and find Jeffrey, put it in, or, or um, Gerard, and put it in. And uh, no name on it, just tear it off, fill that in, put that in, so that would help us. We will sit for the first part of this song, and then we'll stand and conclude the